TechJet, Virtualization in Embedded Systems. Welcome to episode 34 of the Mastering Embedded Systems podcast. Hey, 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 what's up today? Welcome, welcome. I'm your host, Georg Lohrer, and you're at the Mastering Embedded Systems podcast. I'm giving you my best what you guys get tons of know-how, improve your processes, find essential tools, and get a lot of surplus information for your embedded systems project. I'm so happy today. I've just remastered the interview with my today's guests, Barusan Ismagulov and Alexander Smirnov. And shall I say you what? It's awesome. There is so much information inside, so many details that you guys will be blown away. Moreover, you will be so happy when you have heard the last episode number 33, giving you the essential basics when you get the most out of this talk. Otherwise, there might be a good chance that you will lose track, but it's a piece of cake to jump back to embeddedsuccess.com slash episode 33 and you will be ready for our today's session. I met Barusan at the Embedded World 2016 in Nuremberg. He's the general manager of Ilbert, where Bell Metal Hypervisor Mango was nominated for the Embedded Award 2015. And in addition, we also have Alexander Smirnov, located in St. Petersburg, Russia. He's the technical leader of Ilbus. Oh man, we come along so many topics. Started with typical use cases, talked about essential features of Mango, and ended up in a general discussion about virtualization and embedded systems. By the way, today there are some real goodies in the show notes. Give them a try at embeddedsuccess.com slash episode 34. But now, let's jump right into it. Stay tuned and be inspired. Barsan, tell us briefly what you do. Uh, okay, Ilbert GmbH is a, a software development company based in Munich. And um, we provide um, software development services and also um, virtualization Products uh, like uh, Mango Hypervisor, Lotus, um, Virtualization Framework. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got acquainted at the Embedded World in Nuremberg, and I we have had already some kind of verbose discussion about your hypervisor approach, uh, about the Mango, uh, so the Ilbers approach for virtualization. And uh, could you please tell me something about the typical work process with Mango? Oh, basically, uh, Mango is a static partitioning solution. So we, we don't have para-virtualization, no scheduler. Uh, we have bounded latency and we have safety-oriented process. So what, how do you work with uh, Mango? Uh, perhaps, Alex, uh, could you tell more about that? So by work with Mango, you mean the user or development process? Let's start with the developer side and then let's tend a little bit more into the details, what are the, the gory details inside. So let's start with the developer's perspective. So developer perspective, so uh, from our side, we define some uh, features, uh, feature specification we want to reach. So then we start implementation, then we perform uh, code analysis by using tools, then we perform uh, review, and we perform testing. So that's our internal development process. Uh, For our customers, we provide uh, documentation, so which describes what is Mongo and uh, what what is the development interface API. 
So how you are able to implement your own drivers, your own features, and uh, uh, some uh, basic uh, test uh, set uh, with a small operating system and uh, FreeRTOS and Linux. Maybe we, we need to have a little bit more detail about what Mango is in particular. Berson has already uh, raised some, some hotspot details, but a little bit more in detail. What, what is Mango? Uh, you have to imagine uh, that uh, it is a type 1 hypervisor. It means uh, it's bare metal hypervisor. So you have to load it into memory uh, to let other stuff run. And uh, then, of course, you have to have uh, the guest operating system images uh, loaded and started. But, of course, uh, Mango should start first. So basically, the boot process uh, looks like you load Mango. Uh, if you have a dynamic configuration, you load a configuration file, and then uh, the guest operating systems, uh, whatever they are, are started. If you say guest operating system, it could be any, or do you have some preferences? How is that handled? It's both. Um, basically, uh, it is any unmodified operating system, so we don't have paravisualization. We uh, run it, uh, run any guest unmodified um, on the CPU, uh, and also for customers um, who don't have anything, uh, who basically can start with an um, empty table, we provide a complete solution um, called LOTOS, like a lot of operating systems, um, where we package a proprietary Mongo hypervisor uh, with a FreeRTOS and Linux. So you have a Yocto-based uh, build environment so that uh, you can build your um, device, firmware, image in one command um, and you have a single image basically with uh, hypervisor, Linux kernel, uh, FreeRTOS uh, kernel and uh, applications together in, in the image. So this is... Uh, uh, both approaches are possible. Before we come to some points like operation and uh, and size and all that details, what are typical customers doing with the Mango? So, I, I mean, what areas of operation do they have and what particular operating systems are we using? Typical use cases are uh, can be divided actually in... Uh, two groups. Uh, it's combination and it's uh, isolation. So you combine basically um, or you want to combine uh, operating systems uh, with different uh, properties. So for example, uh, uh, one customer wanted to have a fast boot response um, and also um, feature-rich applications um, under Linux. But uh, fast booting, uh, for fast booting, you have to customize Linux heavily, and this is what uh, they didn't want to do. So uh, the best approach to solve this problem is to let every operating system shine in its own area. So with FreeRTOS, we are able uh, to reach um, boot times uh, under one second, 
uh, and with Linux we can use uh, all the device drivers, libraries, uh, and so on available for it, like GUI and audio and so on. So this is the typical use case where you want to combine that. Uh, well, we, we have uh, one request uh, from, uh, from a telecom customer, but uh, they are, uh, let's say, in a minority where they want to run several identical operating systems uh, in order to split some uh, applications uh, that run under Linux uh, but perform different tasks. Okay. So this is also a possible use case, uh, but uh, what we see now um, from our customers uh, is more to run heterogeneous uh, operating systems uh, under a hypervisor. But um, in addition, um, the combination is not enough. Uh, you also want to isolate systems from uh, each other. So uh, the reasons may be security um, or safety. So one example is, uh, for example, in the mobile phone, uh, you would like to have a GSM stack, uh, and the vendor would wouldn't like uh, that uh, people who are updating Android are somehow possibly interfering with the GSM stack. Understandable, yes. So one use case. Another use case is, uh, for example, in uh, automotive or railway area, um, the question is safety. So uh, with the safety question, um, they are looking at uh, whether different parts of the system um, can affect each other in some negative way. For example, if a non-critical GUI part uh, could crash and let the other safety-critical part also crash. So this is uh, what we are isolating with the hypervisor and uh, guarantee that if one part even crashes, then the critical part uh, continues to run. Okay, interesting. So these ty different type of groups of, of operation distinguished between combination and isolation. Very interesting. One question raised in my mind here, you are talking a lot about different embedded system. What kind of hardware do you support? Well, at the moment, 90% uh, of our customers uh, use ARM. So there, there is a little bit... Uh, um, of uh, x86 or MIPS or um, PowerPC, uh, but uh, what we are focusing right now is ARM. Okay. Of course, we could port the system uh, if uh, it would become necessary. Uh, at the moment, this is what we have. If I consider something like a system on chip design, like, for example, Texas Instruments Keystone architecture with the Kepler 2, so it's the combination between four ARM cores and a core pack of four different DSP cores. Uh, how is that? Is, is that manageable by, by Mango or it, does, it, does it only concentrate on the ARMs? I assume that. The criterion is... Um, whether it supports hardware virtualization extensions. So we have uh, um, enough solutions uh, that are doing software scheduling, and this is what we don't do, because um, uh, at the moment, ARM provides uh, hardware virtualization, x86 uh, does too, um, and uh, 
it is not comparable with the software scheduling of uh, other um, hypervisors. So if we uh, have to use it, we, we can use Zen or other solution for that. Uh, if we have uh, virtualization extensions, um, then um, we use Mongo. Okay. And how are different cores? So, I, I mean, there are, there are, as mentioned on this Kepler 2, there are four ARM cores, there are other chips by, for example, Intel, we have eight or 16 cores, uh, ARM cores on it. And is, the, is Mango handling all of them or a part of them? How is that managed? Mango uh, has a configuration file uh, where you specify uh, which cores are assigned to which uh, guest operating system. I can see that Keystone uh, is based on Cortex-A15 uh, CPU, and uh, Alex, uh, please help me, does it support uh, virtualization? Yeah, so if I remember correctly, it was the first uh, processor provided by ARM with the virtualization extension. So yes, it supports. Yes, yeah, as, as far as I know, it, it's inside. There is some in the specification. It, it's mentioned somewhere. I have, I have, I have read it. So, but simply, it, it was this weird combination of weird. It's the, this versatile combination between MCU and DSP. But that means you have, um, let's say, we have eight or eight cores available. You could configure that five cores are managed by by Mango, and the three other ones have some kind of uh, dedicated system on it, or system on chip uh, design, or something like that. Well, Mongo doesn't need, as far as I know, uh, dedicated CPUs. Uh, you can say that uh, five of the cores uh, are assigned to one guest and three, for example, to another guest. Mm -hmm. But Mongo will, will handle all the cores, or is it? Or can you separate distinct cores from, from Mongo handling? Well, of course, Mongo has to initialize and assign them. So Mongo is, uh, in a sense, uh, the master of the hardware. Okay, I see. If you use Mongo, you use it completely. It has the full control then. It has to run first and then uh, give control to the next uh, guest. So it depends, of course, on the use case. So our use case is basically that we have several guests uh, that run under Mongo, but are not necessarily aware that their hypervisor is managing the real hardware. Yeah, okay. That's exactly tackling one, <laughs> one of my, my next questions here to say, uh, how transparent is uh, Mongo for the, for the used guest operating systems? Well, actually, of course, if you want to see Mango, you can see it. Uh, but if you don't want to do that, then you uh, don't have to do that. Uh, the actual benefit is uh, not seeing Mango, but seeing the hardware, because uh, the hardware is assigned statically um, to the guests, and uh, the access is performed uh, almost natively. This means, in many cases, with zero overhead uh, to the guest operating system. And how do you handle then some some yeah details, for example, belonging throughputs throughput versus latency? There might be a clash in between. Uh, it would be a clash uh, if you would emulate stuff. So then we had this problem, uh, but we don't have uh, emulation. That is why. Uh, the hardware access is performed natively, um, and uh, 
you get to the point uh, where you say, um, this is what the hardware provides. Uh, one exception is maybe um, IRQ routing where we have uh, to trap uh, those accesses, uh, but this access is, uh, has also a constant delay, uh, so it is bounded and has uh, O1 complexity. Um, that is why um, it is not a problem for your question. You already mentioned this, some kind of a configuration file. How, how, yeah, let's say how complicated is that for the for the user of Mongo to set it up? So uh, there are two ways to configure the hypervisor. So first way is uh, compile time. So in uh, source code, you define the assignment of peripheral to each partition, each partition configuration. Uh, amount of uh, CPU cores, and then you build hypervisor and it works. But also we provide a way to use runtime configuration. So we define some simple syntax in a text file where you define which interrupts, which uh, memory regions, which peripherals are assigned to each partition. Then you generate a binary using our tool, which is published in open source, and you just add this binary to boot process. So bootloader just loads it to memory and hypervisor eats it. Does Mango bring its own bootloader or can we use a regular one, for example, U-boot or something like that? Yeah, at the moment it works with U-Boot and uh, this uh, our approach to use as much as possible from uh, standard uh, Linux environment. How, how is then the sequence? So the processor starts up with some kind of a ROM bootloader inside that then loads the U-Boot, which again loads the Mango and which overtakes the, the control. Is it is it like that or different order? U-Boot uh, loads everything. Uh, like for typical system, but also it loads a Mango and it uh, jumps to Mango. And then Mango starts uh, guest operating systems. Okay, and this, this is handled then in the configuration file you mentioned. That's, that's the way how it is done. Uh, no, configuration file does defines a configuration for specific each partition inside Mango. So it doesn't affect the process. What does that mean, partition inside of Mango? <laughs> partition, I mean, it's a virtual machine. So each virtual machine uh, has uh, some memory, has uh, s amount of CPU cores that uh, it can uh, run. Uh, also, it has peripherals assigned. So, for example, USB. Uh, registers uh, UART or probably some others. So that's uh, a isolated environment in which you run guest operating systems. So Mongo performs uh, split the hardware into these partitions. And yeah, it's uh, actually huh? yeah, please yeah, excuse me. Uh, yeah, it's actually a good uh, question um, regarding the terminology. Uh, because um, virtualization uh, exists actually for, for a number of decades uh, since IBM, I think, and uh, there were different uh, areas of application um, of that. So uh, 
the term uh, partitioning um, com comes from from the safety area where you divide the system uh, into critical and non-critical areas and uh, the uh, data center or IT people uh, use more the term guest uh, or virtual machine but we use it interchangeably uh, in our ah. mm -hmm. okay I see yeah uh, by the way how do you handle um Hardware which might be used in 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 different partitions or in different guest operating systems. So I mean, for example, you have a network device, network uh, network device which needs to be uh, used by both. Yeah, this is device uh, so, sharing. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> you already answered. Yeah, we provide uh, some forms of uh, device sharing for character devices. Uh, or uh, network devices. But for that, you have uh, to implement the specific support in the hypervisor. Okay. I can imagine, oh, I, I love a lot, lot of uh, companies who have their own hardware, some, something, so transport, for example, we are using RapidIO buses or something like that, so particular buses. Uh, how can how can a developer or how can a company use Mango if we have that kind of proprietary uh, devices available? Well, the question is whether you want to share it. If not, then you implement it uh, uh, in one guest and the other guest doesn't touch it. Or if you want to share it, uh, there are two approaches. One approach is uh, to contract us to develop uh, the driver in the Mango, uh, at the Mango level, or to develop, to use the existing driver, for example, in one guest and route the request from the second guest uh, to the first one. Ah, okay. So is there a kind of connectivity between the Mongo instances or the guest OS instances, or is it a regular, yeah, some kind of network traffic than via IP or something like that? Uh, it's, well, let's say, both. Uh, of course, we have a data channel uh, inside of uh, of the SOC, uh, because uh, there is no point of having two guests uh, not communicating with with each other. The typical use case is, for example, data acquisition, where you have you have to uh, acquire huge amounts uh, of uh, data and then process them uh, in some environment uh, with uh, many libraries and so on. So you acquire data in the real-time part and uh, process it, uh, let's say, in Fortran uh, in, in the Linux partition. Uh, of course, we have to have a communication channel for that, and uh, we have basically two mechanisms uh, for that. One is uh, pumping the data directly between the partitions, and another one um, has a, a TCP IP interface over that, um, which, of course... Um, simplifies porting existing applications that communicate already via TCP IP, then you can run them unmodified basically under a hypervisor. I have just one one combination or one, one idea in, in mind because we are currently discussing this in an actual project. Um, there are, if you have multiple cores based on ARM and you want to you are considering to have multiple, uh, you regularly only want to run one Linux instance. So it could be managed with, with all that would be fine. But if you have to do that and you would run different Linux instances, then 
the way would be to have such kind of, uh, for example, use Mongo to split it and to have afterwards, for example, four calls for that one and four calls for the other one. That would be possible. Yeah, right. That's what I have understood. Okay, and if if you now use if if you now change the perspective a little bit from these details away to the one who finally uses the the application or uses Mongo. How should design? How should applications be designed to optimally fit into such kind of virtualized environment? Well, it's uh, rather an application question uh, because uh, the question is uh, whether you want to use um, guest extensions uh, provided by Mango. So we provide, for example, uh, partition management, um, device sharing. Um, also TCP/IP uh, interface uh, over that, um, and uh, like software watchdog on the hypervisor level. So the question is uh, whether you have to do that or whether you want to do that. The typical use case is again uh, the communication between guests, uh, and in that case uh, you have an, uh, an application program interface uh, that you use. Uh, to pass data between the guests. That means from from the developer's perspective, there is not that much to take into account. Besides, you want to have some specific details available. Yes, the uh, concept behind that is that you are bound to specific uh, pieces of hardware that you define statically before you boot. Uh, and after that, that whole uh, hardware belongs to you. Apropos hardware, if I consider if I consider the caches which are available, and maybe you have uh, so you, you might have different you have the different levels of caches, and one might be directly bound like the L1 cache to a to a uh, to a core, but the other ones might be split to different cores. Is there some kind of impact of Mango? belonging to these uh, this caches? Well, it's actually a hardware and uh, OS question uh, because we don't uh, configure that at all at the hypervisor level. This means that uh, every operating system kernel uh, is responsible for that and whether caches uh, are used uh, uh, together with the uh, by different cores, uh, and whether there are uh, whether the times are affected uh, by that, uh, it's uh, of course the question of the CPU implementation. So we don't uh, manage this uh, at the hypervisor level. Okay, I see. So it's from that perspective completely transparent. Must be done on the on the next level. Let's come to another interesting point because, let's say that way, Mango is not the first virtualizer or not the first hypervisor which is available. What are particular or what are the differences for uh, of, of Mango? What are the benefits? Yeah, that's a great question, and that is why we have Mango uh, because uh, for us uh, it's the right uh, mix of features. So we. Uh, started uh, implemented it, implementing it for a specific customer with uh, specific needs um, and we came to the conclusion that what we need is exactly static partitioning, bounded latency, no scheduler and that is why we have Mongo today. 
if we compare now Mongo with all the other ones, so for if if you start for example with the most simplest one, something like System D C groups, I think okay they are most likely very very apart from each other. But are there comparisons between both of them? Well, originally C groups was a resource management solution. Um, later, uh, they were security additions uh, like namespace isolation uh, that both would later uh, be used in uh, Linux containers. The same functionality regarding security may be, may be implemented uh, in hypervisor um, as well. The difference would be that with C groups, the security is implemented in software. Um, and with Mongo, it's in hardware. I think most of the, especially the Linux guys, of course, know uh, KVM and maybe also Xen. What what are the differences between then Mongo and KVM and, and Xen? Yeah, okay. Well, uh, Mongo would be very similar to KVM uh, with a, a small point that uh, you need to boot Linux first. Uh, with KVM. And this is what uh, was a big problem uh, for our customer, and uh, that is why we decided to implement it at the bare metal level. Regarding Xen, it started way before uh, hardware virtualization uh, was available, and uh, they uh, started as a scheduling para-virtualizing solution, and they still have some elements of that. And also through this history, they have also a much larger footprint. You mentioned some kind of a problem to use KVM or maybe also some Enea, Ose or uh, the Wind River, Windwigs works to use as an initial boot up scenario to have a hypervisor available. Could you go a little bit into the details? What were such kind of problems? Well, uh, if you implement end-user product uh, like a radio in a car, then you need definitely a sub-second uh, user response after power on. And if you need to boot Linux first and then start KVM, um, uh, you have a very different timings compared to a bare metal solution. Okay, so most uh, most thing, uh, most detail which was taken into account was speed, in that case, startup speed. Uh, well, this is a one particular use case for this customer that was important and it was uh, basically a showstopper for KVM. Yeah, okay, I understand. Yeah, okay, I always uh, remember quite uh, annoyingly that if I switch on my car, how long it lasts until the nav navigation system is booted up. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. Um, what, about, what about the size of the Mango? How big is it? So initially, Manga can be split in uh, several parts. So core, it's a platform support package and uh, guest extensions. So the Manga core is about 3,000 of lines of source code. So and complete solution for Banana Pi board, which is uh, currently available for download. Uh, so binary footprint is uh, 100 kilobytes and source code is about uh, 7,000 of lines. So it's extremely small. Yes, looks like that. 100 kilobytes, that sounds amazing. Uh, you're just mentioning the Banana Pi board. Uh, what, what, about, what about that? Do you provide something? Yeah, so we have a demonstrator which uh, demonstrates most of uh, Mongo features and it's available as a part of Lotus framework. So and, uh, it's, uh, it can be downloaded from uh, GitHub 
And also we publish getting started guides so everyone can try it. <laughs> and we choose banana pie board because it's uh, cheap and it's uh, available everywhere. <laughs> exactly. That, that was just something which came up in my mind. Is there some kind of way to get some kind of uh, non-expensive testing environment? Could you give me the link and then we can put it into the show notes so that the guys can have a look at that? Sure. That's great. You only need the banana pie, and then you can put the, the complete mango on it and give it some try and test. Right. What about documentation? So the Getting Started Guide uh, mentioned uh, by Alex, uh, it discuss, describes how to start pre-built image. And uh, also you can build your own image with your own application in FreeOTOS or Linux part. What I didn't get yet is how is it combined to or connected to, to Lotus? Lotus, that, that's, that's the name you mentioned. I, I have had Lotus Notes in mind. Sorry. Ah, so, no. no. Lotus means... Lot of OS, yes. Right. And this means that we package it into a build environment, into a Yocto build environment, uh, together with Linux kernel, Linux root file system, uh, FreeOTOS kernel and application. So uh, what you get is uh, you run, uh, you check out the code, uh, you run one comment, bitbake comment, and uh, then you get a finished, complete, bootable uh, uh, firmware image uh, with hypervisor, uh, FreeOTOS, and Linux inside. That sounds that sounds good. Okay, I will I will forward that into the show notes. And one other question comes into my mind: how how much does it cost finally? Uh, we have to talk about a specific product. So it's not a commodity product that you sell and say, okay, uh, one box uh, costs uh, X euros. So it depends. Understandable. And you will be the right contact. So there will be further support available. And how can you support? Well, uh, before we support, of course, we have to provide. One way is for commercial projects uh, is to buy licenses. Um, they are royalty-free. And the second way is for students, educational institutions, and non-commercial projects. If they contact us, then we discuss it with them and sign an agreement uh, where we provide Mango free of charge for educational and non-commercial use. And uh, in that way, uh, hobbyists and enthusiasts, as well as professors or students, can study the latest technology and implement their stuff on it. That sounds great. Yeah, thanks. Is there anything that comes to your mind that you really would like to put in at this point? Good question. From my point of view, the discussion was very detailed and... <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing extra comes to my yeah. mind. I think one point is the pro and contra of uh, virtualization in the whole uh, in embedded systems. So uh, what we do uh, is not only to sell licenses for Mango, but we also provide support uh, or development for other uh, virtualization solutions. And here, I won't be surprised if we are going to see an increase of virtualization usage in real-world projects. Because up to now, basically, if you look at history of the issue, it was born as a data center solution. 
in late 90s, uh, it migrated to the desktop with VMware, which is extremely successful pro- product. And now it was not used up to now um, very broadly in embedded area. We do know some projects, but now as we see um, all new ARM cores supporting hardware virtualization, we actually expect an increase in the embedded area. And uh, this is also what we see on the embedded world. So if last year we were asked uh, what is virtualization and why should I want it in my product, this year uh, we see questions like I have this and this operating system and I want to run it together. Could you help me? What, what are the biggest struggles potential customers run into which might be mitigated by, um, by using virtualization on embedded systems? Well, uh, the typical use case is that many customers uh, have to choose one single operating system product and go with it whether it has strengths and weaknesses. So uh, Linux shines in software libraries and drivers, hardware support available for it. Other operating systems uh, like real-time kernels shine in latency and real-time stuff, certification. And often customers want to have actually both, but they have to combine it somehow. And we have actually seen customers who are trying to combine two systems with a hammer, uh, which is expensive um, and uh, is a difficult way if you see the maintenance costs uh, and certification costs. So this is one typical use case where you can combine uh, usage of two operating systems or more and let every system shine in its own area. This is uh, as I understand it, the major point why you want to use virtualization in your product. Combine the uncombinable, let's say. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's good, yeah. Anything else we should mention here? It was already a lot. Yeah, the last point is uh, maybe that as we, with Mongo, uh, we uh, rely on hardware virtualization extensions. So that is why... Um, for example, if you use ARM, uh, the core has to support uh, the virtualization extensions. And uh, one note from me that uh, almost all modern ARM CPUs support virtualization extensions, so it uh, became a part of each new Cortex-A CPU. So it's not a problem in near future, I guess, <laughs> every CPU will be switched to this. Sounds great. If we now come to the end here, I wanted to thank you both for participating and to spending your knowledge and your, your experience with us. And thanks a lot for joining the interview. Yeah, thank you too. Thank you too. Hey, this was our tech chat with Barusan Ismagulov and Alexander Smirnov from Ilbers about virtualization in embedded systems and their bare metal hypervisor Mango in particular. I wanted to thank both guests a lot. It was a pleasure to have you on board. And for you out there in the audience, if you have any questions, interested in further details, you know what comes now, right? The show notes, embeddedsuccess.com slash episode 34, and you are midst inside of the gory details. And 
don't be shy. Take the opportunity to get in touch with Bowerson and Alexander. And guys, I know you have an awful lot of work to do. However, it would be really great if you give me a high five or a super tiny review on iTunes. Okay, um, could be a little bit longer. Ed. Anyway, must not be that tiny. So, okay, stop it now, Gary. Do you know what? I'm done. This was the fabulous 34th episode of the Mastering Embedded Systems podcast. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.